Welcome to the Good, the Bad, and the Sequel Q&A. My name's Doug. So this week, it's a little different because usually we have an interview, then a review, an interview, then a review. But it was a little bit different because this week's interview is with another legendary character actor like last week with Stuart Pankin. This week, it's Peter Jason, who also happens to be a great friend of Stuart Pankin. They have a movie coming out on video on demand on May 31st. It's called Deep in the Forest. It's put out by Saban Films. Interesting film. I can't wait to watch it. It's kind of like quarter, more of like a suspense thriller. I'll put the in the episode notes the trailer so you can check it out. But the sequel that we're going to be reviewing for the great Peter Jason is Escape from L.A. Uh, this is, I believe, the third or fourth time that he worked with John Carpenter after working with him on Prince of Darkness. So that's something to look forward to in a few weeks. But man, Peter was such a blast to talk to because he's been in so many movies over the years. And we talk about this turning point that he had in his life that really, when he talks about that and you look at his IMDb, you'll be like, wow, everything changed then, man. He's in 48 hours. He's in Brewster's millions. He's in Prince of darkness. They live mortal combat, Mark for death, arachnophobia, escape from LA. Like, dude, he's been in so much. And that was just within like a seven or eight year span. Then you talk about like Deadwood, baskets Mike Hammer uh, dude early in his career Rio Lobo with John Wayne which he has a great story about he told me the story about him being in Raiders of the Lost Ark which I'm not going to spoil it's amazing and it also has a little uh, side story with Steven Spielberg man Peter just loves to play when he was a football player in high school he calls it himself he was a jock and a girl convinced him to try out for the play because she would be in it and he was like really I'll do this. And then he was hooked from there. Every play he could do, he he did. Everything he could do, he did. Man, I love talking to Peter. Great interview. Great guy that is that old Hollywood that appreciates the generation before him because he talks about you know how lucky he was to work with those veterans. So he has some great stories about that. So do me a favor, don't forget Deep in the Forest, video on demand, May 31st. I'll put the trailer in the episode notes so you could check it out. And if you're new here, please subscribe wherever you're listening and rate us. Five stars would be nice. It helps us so more people can listen to us. Or, you know, the amazing interviews that I do and the amazing sequel reviews that me and my co-host Jamie do. Lots of fun. And that's what we're here for to have fun and provide entertainment and tell people's origin stories. That's what I love. And Peter's is great. And man, when you hear about the stories about the commercials that he worked on, because I'm in Jersey and I told him that and he goes, Oh, I lived in Jersey for a while. I filmed a lot of commercials there and man, some stories to tell. So, uh, here is, I'm speechless because you're going to be speechless, you know, when you're listening to this. Uh, here is the amazing Peter Jason. I got to say, you don't age really. <laughs> Tell that to the inside of my body. No, well, I know that part. I'm saying on the outside, you still have the same kind of look that you've always had since I've seen you. Well, that's nice to hear. But, uh, I certainly ache after one match of tennis. Yeah, I bet. I ache and I'm 35 when I chase my three-year-old around the yard. She tires me out, so I get it. 
<laughs> Stick awesome, around. Pete. So I talked to Stuart last night, and we talked a little oh, bit about oh. the movie Deep in the Forest. Comes out uh-huh. video on demand. Panky, how's my hanky panky doing? Oh. It's so cool that you guys are friends because when looking at both of your IMDb's and just watching movies that you both were in, that I noticed that you both were in, I'm like, wow, do you guys know each other? Like, obviously with Charles, you guys have the same person. He's like, oh yeah, we've been good buddies. We hit it off years ago on Arachnophobia, right? That was our first movie together, yeah. But uh, we were husband and wife in uh, a movie called Hopelessly in June. He was saying that. That was that after or before? Oh, that was a uh, that was that was after that was just a few oh, okay. years. Yeah, but we became uh, instant friends on arachnophobia. We spent the whole time together. Spent a lot of time together. Uh, built a whole house for his for his uh, for his kid. Did he tell you about that? He did. He said, "You're the carpenter." He said, "I helped him." And he goes, "I got to take that back. I was his sous chef. I didn't really help. He just told me what to do." Did he tell you about the door knockers? No, he <laughs> the didn't. Hinges. Oh, the hinges. Yes, yes. You were going to murder him. For buying yeah, hinges. $40 for brass hinges. I said, take them back. He took, he took them back. And I went over to some construction site that had a door that was thrown away. I said, can I have those hinges? I took them off the door and we put them on his kid's house. Oh my that was God. great. Was that always something you did growing up? Was your like father, uncle, carpenter? My dad had these five kids and he was, and you know, he just was a great dad and, and he taught us how to do everything. And, uh, my mom was the same way. She, uh, she taught us all each how to cook. Each of us had a day. Mine was Tuesday, and uh, where we had to cook all the meals, breakfast, lunch, and dinner for, wow. for seven people. And uh, she supervised, of course. Of but course. We had to do the you know the heavy lifting. What was your go to? What was your go to uh, Tuesday night? What was your uh, three courses? You no, know, I was that? great in the pastas. Uh, I love the pastas. Uh, I love I love the stews. All different kinds of stews. Uh, we're Irish. We're uh, you know, so there were a lot of a lot of a lot of casseroles too. A lot yeah. of a lot of uh, hunt, tuna casserole was a big one. My sister used to make it was hunt for the tuna. <laughs> <laughs> it should have been called celery casserole. Oh man! <laughs> so Peter, I love talking to people to figure out you know how they got started in this crazy business. So you grew up. You're born in Hollywood, is that right? I was born in Hollywood. I was. My dad was over fighting the Nazis, and uh, uh, my grandmother lived here in Lamert Park, in uh, uh, right right out of Hollywood. And uh, so my mom was staying with her when she delivered me. My dad was over in France, and when he came back, uh, we moved down to the beach, down in Balboa, uh, where oh, I nice. grew up. And it was great. We had ocean was my front yard, the bay was my backyard, and uh, you know, I was just a beach rat for the first 18 years of my life. Then I got in a senior play and uh, by accident, I got the lead in this play. And by accident? Went out by accident. I was actually after this girl. And uh, and she said, come on, you got to be in the senior play. And I said, I don't want to do a play with actors. And that's kind of, you know, a football player. I yeah. don't want to. And uh, she said, oh, it's going to be really fun. We can rehearse at night and I'm gonna, we'll, we'll, I'll be there. And, and I went, oh, you're going to be there every night? Uh, <laughs> well, let me think about it. And I wandered over to the stage and, and auditioned and I got the lead. <laughs> I think because I had a big, loud voice mostly. And it was kind of, a, kind of a, one of those theaters where you, you, you needed a big voice. 
So uh, it was the man who came to dinner and I played Sheridan Whiteside. And, and uh, when I went out for my curtain call, they exploded into applause. And I went, Ooh, I like this. Yeah. I'll be coming back for more. Thank you. Oh, Please, man. So have some more. Yes. Yeah. So what'd you do right after that? Was it right from there? Well, blinders said, on blinders. I had straight ahead all the way. I was supposed to be an engineer and uh, I, I just, uh, uh, just, you know, started doing every play I could for free. I just want to, I wanted good parts. Yeah. Uh, I didn't want, I've been, didn't want to be a spear carrier. I wanted good parts. I worked for repertory companies for nothing just so I could be uh, in, in plays. And I went from one to another, to another. Uh, uh, and, um, I went from there back to Carnegie to learn how to do it. Did summer stock at Peterborough, New Hampshire and the Millbrook playhouse in Pennsylvania nice. and, uh, AC- ACT in San Francisco the South Coast Repertory. I was one of the founding members of that group and uh, just acted, just acted all over the place. Ended up, uh, that group came up to Hollywood and uh, we did a play, uh, Red Magic, which kind of got bombed. And they all went back down to Newport. And I stayed. I said, ah, I'll just stay here. And, and I started working here with Theater West. And then I just started banging out stuff. So did you always have that in the back of your mind? Like when you're traveling all around, the end goal, was it always... Hollywood TV film? No, no. Okay. I just love, if I had my druthers, I would be on stage doing musicals because I love to sing. And then the most fun things to do musicals. Yeah. Uh, And stage is just the most fun. You're, you're in charge kind of like like every night, you know? Yeah. And you get that. And and you get that instant gratification. Yeah. You get that gratification. You do a movie. Sometimes you do a movie or a show. It doesn't come on for six months, a year. Some people have movies that takes two or three years and you never see the audience reaction. This this was two years ago. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, We shot this two years ago, I believe. Oh, wow. We didn't shoot it during the pandemic. So no one was wearing masks. So I think it was before the pandemic. And uh, yeah, you you do it and you forget about what happened. You know, sure. Remind you, but I, I just I like I like playing. That's my, that's what I do for a living. I've I'll always I've never had a job. Yeah. You know I've always played. I, I was a my dad was a PE teacher, so he played with all of his kids. All of us were the best athletes in school. We played sports, all the sports. Uh, and after after school, I started acting, and it was like still playing, just playing with people. Yeah. And uh, I do that every day. I play with the grocery clerk or the mailman or the neighbor's kids. Or it doesn't matter who it is. I I'm, I want to play. I yeah. always want to play. Like that puppy dog, you know, who you turn loose on the first. <laughs> What's the play? Huh? Anybody? 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 You know, and. Uh, it's it's just it's just better than working. <laughs> yeah, man. And once in a while they pay you for it, which makes it really great. Yeah. <laughs> so the first uh, when you first auditioned, did somebody? Did you have a manager? Somebody see you that says, "Hey, try this out," or did you see like an open call? I was at the Laguna Playhouse doing a play called "A Man for All Seasons," and I was playing uh, uh, King Henry the Eighth. And Alex Brewis came down to see me. I, I, Gavin McLeod came down to see me. Wow. Uh, you know, Captain Stubby. Uh, I, I'd done a play with Captain Stubby, and uh, and he came down to see me in my play. And he told his agent about it. So his agent came down to see me. 
and came in at intermission, said, I love what you do. I'm an agent. Here's my card. I have a wife that's pregnant, but I have a baby. I got to go. I know you're not in the second act. Uh, call me. <laughs> and I did. And I moved in with he and his wife and his new baby. He got me a car and I started off. And he was for the first uh, maybe 10 years of my career. He was my agent and he was great. Alex wow. Lewis. Uh, so you had somebody take you under your, your wing like that. That's that's unbelievable. Oh, somebody was, looking out for not you. Not just Alex, but a lot of people took me under their wing. Yeah. You know, it was like one 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 actor after another you know had, had, that was and i still hang out with the older actors i love the older actors they uh they have the best stories number one and uh number two they know how to do it they know the pitfalls they know uh, they know everything about it or they know more than i do anyway and 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 they would pass it on to me and uh i had a lot of them along the way that were just my gurus you know several of them uh a lot of them have passed away now, but I still have a couple left. Yeah. And I still call on them whenever I need to. Yeah. And early on, when you just look at your career, obviously, like being in like I, the first movie on there is a TV movie, A Bell for Adano. I don't know if that's your first. Well, Adano. That that's, was your that first? Was an inter- it was a Hallmark Hall of Fame. I don't know if it was my first. No, my first job was uh, Red Skelton Show. Oh, nice. Yeah, he was. Uh, he played uh, one of the characters. He played was the little boy with the hat and the, and the sucker, and he's talking like this kid. He's skipping, got the short pants, and he it was on a cruise ship, and he's skipping around the deck. And I'm a honeymoon couple, and he runs into us, and we have five jokes, you know. And that was my first job. Wow. Uh, then I started doing gun smokes. I did uh, three gun smokes uh, and uh, Cimarron strip cowboys. I was playing young cowboys. And uh, then, then Hallmark came in with the Hallmark Hall of Fame, a Belfer Adano. It was the first time they'd ever used tape and film together. And I was in the film part. I was the exterior shooting. I was a soldier uh, outside. And then, and then when they moved inside, they did it on tape. And the tape was ludicrous. Because I think it's so fascinating. Because I talked with, uh, I don't even know, she had a small part in it, Sandra Curry, one of her first movies is Rio Lobo and looking at the, your website and that photo with you and the Duke. I don't know. She had like, I I feel like she played like young prostitute or young hooker or the hookers. Yeah. 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 She had a very Uh, small, I didn't work with her. I worked down in Mexico and then a little bit in, uh, old, uh, Tucson. Oh, uh, you know, uh, they had they built a whole town in old Tucson. It burned down, but uh, now they have the new Tucson, I guess. But uh, uh, yeah, that was my first movie. Yeah, uh, I died in John Wayne's arms. It was directed by Howard Hawks. It was uh, it was quite something. He w- he was great. You know, I never saw a script, by the way. Really? No, he just told me you know, I had the first line in the movie. I had the first scene in the movie when we're taking the load and the gold on the train. And he, he, he said, uh, uh, he said, uh, Peter, uh, now you got to load the gold on, have your men, uh, carry the, we got to let them know there's gold in there. Have one of them trip. And you say private, pick up your feet. And he, and he'll say, uh, uh, it was sure is heavy, sir. And you say gold usually is, then they'll know there's gold. in there. then you, you keep looking around, make sure no one's watching it and, and get them over to the train. You open that door up, get them all up into the train car. You jump up last and uh, look around, uh, look around before and then close that door. Well, you know exactly what to do. And he leaves it open to you to do it any way you want. So yeah. I'm like, this is 
great. I don't even have to memorize lines or anything. I know exactly what to do. And that's the way he worked. I never knew that. He got that improvisational way of working. He told me from uh, work on uh, the John Wayne movie, uh, Red River. And, 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 and Monty Clift was very improvisational. Uh, in fact, he told him in a fight scene, he says, it's unbelievable that I could beat up the Duke. He's twice my size. He said, what if he's leaning over the fire and I kick him in the face to start the fight? <laughs> he said, maybe I'd have a chance. And, and Howard said, well, let's, uh, let's uh, Mr. Hawk said, uh, let's, uh, let's ask the Duke. And he did, and that's the way they did it, I guess. But wow. he, he started working improvisationally after that. And uh, before that, he had a full script and he worked right by the script and not a nothing changed and everything. But he liked that improvisational spirit, I understand, from him anyway, that uh, that, that changed his way of making films. I'm glad he did. I, <laughs> I, I loved working like that. That was really fun. That's got to be something, being so young, not young, like because you were doing it for a few years already and being on Gunsmoke. I, was I, was, I, oh, I knew nothing. So you were young, yeah. To have the Duke, this isn't like anybody else, go go there on the spot. You having no script. That's unbelievable. Never never saw it. Never saw a script. <laughs> but when you're young, you're fearless. You have no you have no you don't have any, you know, any any history. You don't know when you're making the mistakes, which yeah. you are making. <laughs> you know, so you just you just dive into that water who knew it was freezing cold you know you just dive in and uh once you're in it you realize oh wait a minute i can't breathe <laughs> and then you try to get out but, <laughs> so you were obviously busy working like from there on out you're working a lot was there what, what was a point in your career was there like a movie you were in or a show you were in that really changed it all for you well, I'm one of those actors that there's no, that I never rocketed to stardom, if that's what you mean. There was I've, no, I've not just, that. Just getting work, steady work. Steady. Yeah. Uh, there was a change. I I, I stopped drinking about uh, forty years ago, and that uh, that helped me get parts. That helped me remember my lines. That helped me show up on time. That helped them trust me. And uh, you know, it's a simple job being an actor. All you have to do is. Show up on time and know your lines. Two things. That's all. Show up on time and know your lines. You don't even have to be good, as you can see by a lot of movies. <laughs> but you have to do those two things. Yeah. And uh, I could do that. You can. So 40 years ago, that's like where everything really takes off when you look at your like career. Because there you do nice dreams. And yeah. Each year, 48 hours the next year, I know like a small part, but a memorable like scene in the movie. 48 hours. That was a, that was a good one for me. That was, uh, that's Walter Hill. And I've done uh, about 13 movies for Walter Hill. And uh, uh, he, he's, uh, he's very loyal. He creates a family. That's the theme of my uh, success in the business, if I have one, is I'm, I'm, I help the family unit. I help bring the family together. And... Uh, Walter, uh, Walter, and John Carpenter and Frank Marshall. Yeah, uh, these guys know how to create a family. And Mitch Rouse in the later years, uh, with from the from the uh, Second City in Chicago, I've done a few things with Mitch. Uh, those guys create a family, and you're either part of the family, and you're saying, "Look at us," or <laughs> you're uh, you're an egomaniac, and you're saying, "Look at me." Yeah, uh, so 
it's like, it's pretty easy to spot them. And uh, the pe- people I find that come from the theater, come from the stage, have, have a lot easier. They, they can, they can make that help create that family a lot easier than, and than people who just walked off the street and got a series. Uh, you know, there's a, there's a history behind it. There's a respect for each other, for all the workers, everybody that works on the thing, uh, the cast and crew, all of them. And uh, uh, once you get that, understand the res- and get the respect for all players, all members of the family. Yeah. Then things, then things can are way easier. Uh, it's, it's when, uh, the ego takes over, and uh, in my opinion, anyway, the ego takes over, and you think you can do stuff that that uh, you can't. <laughs> that people get shot and killed. You know, yeah. you try to you try to cut corners, and accidents happen. Yeah. Uh, on a Frank Marshall set, the sun starts going down. He says, "Hey, the sun's going down. See you tomorrow." You know, instead of racing around to try to get that last shot in, and, and then you, you wreck everything, and you got to come back three days later and do it again at yeah. twice the cost. You know, so uh, the, the good ones know how to do it properly. They know they know how to create the family, and they know who to count on. Uh, I think I've been hired a lot by the same guys because they know that I will show up on time. I will yeah. know my lines. I will help the process. I won't slow down the process. I won't ask for too much money. Uh, although I want a little more. <laughs> Everybody wants a little more, don't they? Yeah. Uh, but that's, that's, you know, that's, that money has nothing to do with how much fun you can have on the thing. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I've never heard anybody whenever I talk about this, but I think the theater background's huge because you had to think in theater, you're working what six to eight weeks, like in rehearsals before you even like in front of an audience, right? You can't even, I can't shave a performance. You know, if I'm getting a thousand dollars a minute or free, either yeah. way, I'm, I'm not going to cut down my performance level. I'm still oh, going to yeah. do the best I can. <laughs> you know, I don't care what so really money really has nothing to do with it, except it makes it a lot more fun when you get it. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. And then, like I said, from there, I think, like you said, 40 years ago, you stopped drinking. That's like the turning point because all these movies like Streets of Fire, which is like a cult classic, Brewster's Millions. It's like each year in your career, you're in movies that I probably have on all these VHSs that I collect. Just every year, you're in one of those. Good. I'm glad you're buying them. I get them from the local Goodwill. I just lined the walls of this little, like, this used to be where the lawnmower was in this house that we bought, like this old Victorian. I'm in Jersey, and still the gasoline smells almost gone. So, <laughs> almost. Oh, God. <laughs> Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
Where are you? In Jersey? Whereabouts in Jersey? Oh, you're in Jersey. Yeah, yeah. I'm in like West Jersey. I grew up in Central, but no matter what, like if you're Central or above, you're like 40 minutes to the city, but uh, it's a lot cheaper where I'm at now, but nice out here. Yeah. Yeah. We used to shoot a lot of commercials out in, uh, where was it? Was it Patterson? Uh, Outside of New York. Secaucus is one, Patterson. We used to shoot a lot of commercials out there. I lived there from 69 to 77. Oh, really? I made 300 commercials in seven years in New York. What commercials did you do? Oh, you name it. I did it. I did. Uh, and I, in those days, we would do, they do what, what they call uh, tests. You know, they would do, uh, I played Terry Bradshaw about uh, th- at least three times. Uh, they were, they were uh, you know, they, they'd do a test commercial to see if, if they liked it. But they couldn't afford Terry Bradshaw, so they'd hire me, and I'd be Terry Bradshaw. I played him three times during his career, but they were like demo demo commercials, you know. But still, I had to pay you, and yeah. uh, so I did a lot of those. Oh gosh, I did everything. I did J.C. Penney. I did. Uh, uh, God, I can't remember them all. I did. I, my favorite was I played Tarzan and one for Salada Tea. <laughs> <laughs> swinging from the swinging from the heads. I'm, I'm with I'm with I'm with a I'm, I'm a chimpanzee and a snake crawling up the uh, big boa constrictor crawling up the brain <laughs> and uh, a macaw big Jesus. green uh, turquoise and gold macaw on my shoulder and uh, I say uh, after a morning of coffee drinking Tarzan need coffee break he switched his <laughs> It's a lot of, and then the, the bird flies, the snake goes away. Though I drop the monkey, I swing over, I swing over the stunt man, swings over this pond where that alligator's snapping at me. <laughs> that was the stunt. Uh, that poor chicken that they held out in front of their home. You couldn't do it today. But <laughs> the chicken walked away and fell over. It was like, oh my God. <laughs> and, uh, and I land up in the treehouse where Jane is there, and she's putting a smoking jacket on it made out of pieces of fur. You know, and uh, after after uh, a tough day at the uh, tough day in the jungle, whatever Tarzan <laughs> need coffee break. He switched to Salada tea. Salada's blend of teas, bursting with bright flavor because Jane, it's a jungle out there. <laughs> That's amazing. It was one of my favorite ones. We shot that in Florida, I think, or Georgia. Wow. Was that when the commercial business was like good, like money wise? Like, did I talk to people at good money? It was great. It was, right? Yeah. My wife and I go down to, my wife and I take a vacation every other month. We go down to Puerto Rico for a few weeks and come back to a mailbox full of money. It was really good. Then yeah. it all changed. It all changed. We started shooting it out here. So I'd go back and forth, back and forth between New York and here. And uh, eventually, it was almost all out here. So I just came back here. <laughs> That's good. That that is so ingrained in your memory. U S Tarzan. I love to see that. <laughs> I love to find that. Somewhere. Uh, one of my favorite ones too, was for Rockwell. Um, <laughs> I was dressed up in this, uh, uh, kind of a Superman outfit, only with Sawman, and he has this blade <laughs> across his chest. And I jumped off of a ladder into the into the frame, you know, boom, 
Sawman, cut your steel, cut your bricks, cut your rocks, plug it in, and you're Sawman, and jump, <laughs> jump out of frame. <laughs> oh my God. That was about, the biggest one I did, though, was, uh, uh, and I made the most money on was one for uh, Right Guard. Oh. I was I was the first guy to show his nipples on on TV. I what? Mean, and I got an award from the women's uh, penitentiary in Indiana. <laughs> <laughs> I was one of their men of the year. <laughs> and uh, there's a guy with no shirt on, and the girls got excited in jail. But it was a uh, right guard, and I had to go. Uh, I had two sensor patches on my armpits. I go. Nobody likes looking under arm stains. A real problem. Use any person still get stains. Stains that won't wash out. But now we got <laughs> and it ran for like two years. And Jesus. Uh... <laughs> I made a lot of money on that one. That's awesome. That's so great. That's cool that you did it for so long. That was like a, a that's huge. To have an eight year block of you able to do that? Yeah, sixty nine to seventy seven. Eight years, right. How'd you like Jersey? South Orange. Oh, nice. You know where South Orange is? I did yeah. a girl from South Orange. She went to my college. I went to Carnegie. And I and, and you know where Lovellette is? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, uh, I one time walked five miles, I think, four miles on the beach to see Catherine Hepburn and Spencer Tracy's house, which was in Lovellette. <laughs> nice. I had I had friends who who who, who used to say, uh, we're going down the ocean. Hey, you want to go down the ocean? Hey, let's go down the ocean. What's down the ocean? Well, that's where we're going. We're going down the ocean. So I, I'd go down there and uh, the beaches were great. They reminded me of where I grew up at the beach here. So I loved going down there. Oh, man. And Love that was pretty cool. Like yeah, that. no, that's so cool. That's great. Is it, still, is it still a hot spot? Yeah, the whole coat, man, it's so expensive now. My buddy's parents bought a place in Lava Light years ago. It was like so small, like a bungalow. It is like, it's insane. Huge. The market down. Even where you grew up is like so expensive. You grew up where you're at is like super expensive now too. Did anybody keep that family house in your family for a while or no? In fact, it was on the oceanfront. There's a big seven bedroom house built by Yasha Heifetz. And it was uh, turned into three houses. That property was three houses. Yeah. If we'd have kept that, I wouldn't have to act. You wouldn't have to act. <laughs> so you're talking about like your relationships. So like they live. That was the first time you worked with Carpenter? No, I worked with him. Uh, the first job I did with John was a movie called Prince of Darkness. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, with Donald Pleasance. And uh, man, he was fantastic. I loved him. That was the first. That was my first one with him. They live might have been the second. I yeah, I think it was set sure. next year. But yeah, that's cool. Donald Pleasance, another guy of like the yesteryear of acting to be able to work with. You know? Oh, it was. I worked with the greatest. You know, it's, I've had such a such a lucky career to all the people that I've been able to work with, from men and women. Uh, you know, uh, Garner, you worked with James Garner, right? I did, we, but uh, mostly mo- I, I did uh, at, toward the end of his career. He had a hard time walking. He, his feet, I think, he, I think he might have gotten wounded or hurt in the war or something, and he couldn't walk very well. I remember he had to. He kept taking the cowboy boots off all the time. And uh, funny thing about that, it was Bruce Willis's second movie, I think, and uh, so he figured he knew everything. And 
he uh, I had a scene with Mariel Hemingway who who talked like this. He had this voice that was so loud it could cut through steel. And I, I she turns to me and she says, and I, I own this airport, this little tiny airport, and they need the plane to fly away. Uh, James Garner and and and, and uh, Bruce Willis and. Uh, uh, so I, I'm supposed to say to her, she says to me, isn't it dangerous flying at night? And I go, no, bats do it all the time. And uh, she gives me this look of. <laughs> but that was. Uh, Blake Edwards was the director. Oh, OK, he was great. I mean, he, you know, he did all the pink Panthers and just fantastic with Alec Guinness and everything. Great director. And. Uh, so I was happy to work with him. Of course, John and Walter Hill was, you know, the greatest. I worked with him uh, on 48 Hours. Yeah. Uh, before that, on, uh, on a movie called, uh, where and nobody had an, everybody had a name. It's called The Driver. That's what it's called, The Driver, with uh, uh, Ryan O'Neill and uh, Bruce Dern and, Elizabeth, and Isabella Johnny. Oh, nice. I played Passenger Number Two. I played on that. That was my first movie with Walter, and then then he hired me for uh, uh, Forty Eight Hours and uh, Brewster's Millions. Uh, um, uh, what the hell was the name of that movie? Red Heat, Johnny Handsome. Oh yeah, uh, all those are Walter's movies, and, uh, and then he also hired me to do Deadwood. So he did the pilot of Deadwood, and uh, that's how I got into that company. I came in through the side door with Walter. I didn't, I didn't know Milch. And uh, uh, in fact, my character's name in the pilot was, was not uh, a Con Stapleton. It was uh, somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, I, I don't know what happened to that kid, but he, they, they, when, when the pilot got sold, uh, Milch said, you're Con Stapleton. So I went, I am. <laughs> wow, man, that's awesome. So he brings you in for the pilot, and then look at that. You're on there for... like I did 33 out of the 36 episodes. Wow. So, uh, and it was just a joy. That was a fa- that's another family that was created. Yeah. David, Milch, David Milch created a beautiful family. And Walter, uh, you know, Walt, uh, Walter's so great with Westerns and... Uh, blood and guts kind of thing uh, and 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 deadwood is like it's a western but you only see a horse every you know two or three episodes <laughs> you're mostly in saloons with whores and and then and uh and con men you know and just think of the relationships you make you show up you do your lines and it pays off all those years later he thinks of you when working on the pilot for deadwood well, I did a lot of them for him in between that too. Long. No, writer. I know that, but I'm saying, but from that each one, because like you said, if, to be part of a family, if you showed up and had that ego one time, you're out. And then yeah. that's why I think that's so cool about Hollywood: the relationships and the impact you had. Like Stewart told me, he didn't get one job, but because the guy liked him in the audition, the casting director, he like called him like seven years later or something. And that's like, to me, that's so. 
That's what it's all about. It's building those relationships and like leaving an impression. That happens also in the casting room. You go into a casting office and and you know you're not right for this part. But your agent sent you in because uh, the casting director needs to show the director 10 guys that are good. So they send me in, right? And and I read it and I go, I'm not Jewish. You know, I'm not going to get this. Uh, But you know who would be great? Stuart Pankin. And so I'll sit to say that to the casting director and, and uh, she'll go, what a great idea. Why didn't I think of that? And later down the line, she'll remember that I did something that it, you hope, but yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and it does work that way. You know, it does. Uh, uh, it does. I think anyway, the karma works that way. Totally. And so I can, I continue to do that. I know the, the long riders was a joy to do that movie with uh with all the brothers, the Keeches, the Carradines, the Quades, and the guests, all wow. brothers playing brothers. And uh, we did the play in New York 10 years before that. Uh, it was called Jesse James, a musical. It's up on the wall there. I don't think you can, wait, let me see if I can see if I can <laughs> do this here without breaking everything. Where was that, out in LA, or did you do that in, in uh, Broadway? Can you see it up there? Oh, yeah, that's awesome. Uh, we did that off Broadway downtown in a, in a little theater called the uh, is a bank it was a converted bank, and it was called uh, I forget. Oh wait a minute, it's on there. <laughs> it should be on there. It should be right, so people know where to go. <laughs> the Bowery Theater. Oh, okay, I've heard of the that. Bowery Theater, Bowery Lane, the Bowery Lane Theater. Uh, and uh, we did that for two, a two-week run down there. And Tom Clancy of the Clancy Brothers played my father. Perry King played my brother. And it had uh, James Keach, Max Gale from, uh, from uh, Taxi. Nice. Uh, he, played, uh, he played Frank James. And, uh, and, uh, and we did it for two weeks there. And then 10 years it took for them to get that thing made into a movie. And they tried to do it with the Bridges brothers. They tried to do it with the Bottoms brothers. They tried to do all the different machinations of brothers that they had out in Hollywood. <laughs> it took them 10 years before they finally got the movie together. And Walter Hill uh, uh, took charge and, and, and we did that movie. It was a great, is that what, that's the first time you, you like met the Keeches, like doing that? Well, the first time I met them was on, on, on Jesse James, the musical. Oh, okay. At the Bowery Lane Theater. That's when Stacy and I became uh, great friends, and we over a ping pong table. We had a war. Really? Yeah, we didn't. It was a cast party, and uh, uh, Judy Collins was producing with Stacy, and uh, uh, they were dating at the time. And there was a ping pong table there. People were playing it, and I saw them playing. It. These people weren't, didn't know how to play, so I, I finally waited. I got my turn, and. Stacy saw me playing and he came over and then and he and I started playing. He'd win, I'd win, he'd win, I'd win. He, and we, just, we didn't let anyone on the table the rest of the night. We just had this war going on. And it's continued 50 years later. Nice. And then it went to tennis. Now, now it's golf, but <laughs> it's, he, he's been my best friend for 50 years. And, and uh, we've done a lot of things together. We did 26 episodes of Mike Hammer together. Which is awesome that you get to work with your friend like even Stuart, like all the times you worked with him that's that's what's great about you and your relationships because you worked with all these people like throughout after you became buddies with them yeah well you know you want to have fun it's called a play 
playing. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So real quick, I had to ask you about Arachnophobia where you met Stuart. Like that movie is so good. And you think about it, it's a movie with these tiny spiders. And really until like the end sequence, it's not like you see the spiders, like when it crawls into your football player's helmet, it's not like you see it bite him. You're just imagining it. But the way that movie like puts this fear into you when you're watching it is so good. When those five or six spiders come out of the sink. <laughs> oh my God. You watch them all go, wow. And you go, holy shit. Uh, it's, uh, yeah. Frank Marshall, uh, who is, is just the greatest. Uh, he and I uh, grew up together and that's, that was his first time directing a movie. Oh, and uh, although he directed second unit for almost all the Spielberg's movies, he started off with uh, Bogdanovich. He was his coffee boy. And then he became his assistant and then he became his AD. And then he was uh, loaned to Orson Welles when we did the other side of the wind. And Frank brought me in on that picture. And then uh, he, uh, he, he went to Walter on the Warriors, did the Warriors for Walter, and he and Frank introduced me to Walter on the driver down at, I met him down at the train station downtown LA and uh, started my relationship with Walter. And then Frank, uh, he, he put me in several movies after that. I was in the Raiders of the Lost Ark. He called me up and he said, uh, what are you doing this weekend? I said, nothing. He said, good. You want to be in a movie? I said, sure. And, uh, so I, I went down along. They didn't. The movie was over. They already shot it, but they didn't do the submarine sequence, and because they couldn't get a submarine, and you know, a vintage uh, World War II sub. Finally, they got one down in Long Beach. It was moored out in uh, out in the bay, and we were we were uh, boated, uh, you know, uh, driven out to the boat and uh, uh, climbed on this sub. And I was playing, you remember the Nazi with the burn on his hand? Yeah. Yeah. Well, the movie's over. All the actors were released. He went back to London. Uh, and uh, so I played him. They dressed me up like him. They patted me up a little. They gave me a handkerchief. I'm coughing. <coughs> I was always coughing in a handkerchief so they wouldn't recognize my face. And all the stuff on the submarine is me. Oh, my God. <laughs> And uh, we did that for two days. I remember, and it's so, submarines are, those submarines are so tight and so hard that everywhere you move, you bump your elbow and your shoulder. And you're, boom. It's like, if you're big, you know, it's, it's difficult, very difficult to move yeah. around there. Imagine with a camera and a crew. So it's like, boom, 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 boom. <laughs> you know, and uh, can you do that scene without getting hit so much on the wall? I don't think I can. <laughs> boom, 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 boom. And, uh, but I remember, uh, I remember, uh, being on deck, waiting, waiting for the shot to be, uh, lit. And, and, uh, so we're, we're moored out there and there's this chain going down to this anchor down below and uh, on both ends of the sub and, and there's a big buoy on one end and, and there's a bunch of muscles grown on the, uh, on the, on the rope and on the chain. And, and I'm looking at those muscles and I'm thinking, wow. And I always carried in my wallet a hook and some line, right? Not long, not much, you know, maybe that long, and some just some just some just some uh, line. And I put the hook on the line, and and uh, I got some string, string 
<laughs> from the prop guy. I tied it on the line and I got a tin can, a Coke can, you know, and went like that and uh, climbed down, shinnied down the, uh, the, the <laughs> chain, pulled a handful of muscles off, brought them back up, opened those up and uh, put, put some muscle on the, uh, uh, right through the heart of the muscle, put it on the hook, dropped it down in there, bang, pulled up a little uh, eh, smelt or whatever the heck I was <laughs> Well, perched. I think they were perched about this big. And I started clicking on I could catch dinner. And I'm popping up a few perches. And I got, I got six or eight perch sitting next to me here, right? Spielberg comes over and sees me. And uh, how are you doing? Oh, you know, I think I got dinner. And uh, he goes, oh, yeah, okay. And he calls somebody over, an AD or a second AD or something. And the next thing, a speedboat takes off. Then about an hour later, it comes back with fishing poles and lines and tackles and live bait and frozen bait and everything else. And he comes up, they hook him all up, set him all up down the down the submarine a little bit. And he's, nothing. You know, he casts out, you know, four or five, six times. He comes over and says, what are you using for bait? And I tell him, well, the fish live around here. I think they eat off what's here. And I think they eat the muscle here. So I shanty down and got some, you want some muscle? He said, yeah. And so I, I open up a couple of muscles and let him, and, and put on, put him on, on a can with a wire, you know, and have him do, do the tin can roll instead of all this million dollar equipment. And he, Bang! He pulls. Whoa, whoa! You got hey, hey! You know they take a picture of him, and uh, wow. the two of us pulling these little perch up out of the thing. I don't. I don't know if he ate his. I did. I did. I ate mine. <laughs> oh my god, that's amazing! That's so cool. That man, what an experience! <laughs> yeah. Well, I worked for him several times, and that was uh, that was uh, uh, that was the first time I worked for him. I don't oh yeah, he, I don't think he knew my name at the time. Uh, I don't think he knew my name until Arachnophobia, maybe. Yeah, and uh, Sea Biscuit. Uh, uh, and then I did it. his first TV show is a thing called uh, Amazing Stories, uh, and it was it was Kevin Costner's first job as a as a lead. Oh wow! He played the corpse in in The Big Chill, but uh, you know he's a corpse. Yeah, I mean. Nobody knew who he was, but his first really talking role, I think, lead lead role was uh, the uh, captain of this plane uh, uh, in Amazing Stories called the uh, the episode was called uh, Gosh, I forget the name of it, but it's about a big bomber that's going to come in and land, but it's got no wheels, and so uh, uh, it's going to crash and they're going to die. And I'm the commander up in the tower saying, you know, good luck, uh, gentlemen, you know. Uh, and I and, and I'm doing a poem that, that Spielberg told me to read. Now I lay me down to sleep, you know, and uh, that John Wayne did on some some movie, High in the Mighty, or something. And uh, <laughs> uh, and the and the car and the uh, the machine gunner and the turret in the back of the back of the uh, plane uh, is a cartoonist. So he he draws some. Donald Duck rubber tires on the plane and it comes in and lands and it's sitting on the ground for two seconds and they disappear and boom, the thing falls down on the ground they're, they're gone so it's like a god shot or something you know and, and uh, <laughs> but that was another time I worked for Spielberg another one was, was on Seabiscuit that was uh, uh, 
he and I had a moment on that too. But he's something else, Spielberg, man. I saw him playing with the kids on, on arachnophobia. It was like five kids playing together. I mean, they're off on the side. I'm, I'm overlooking at him and he's standing there kind of kicking his shoe and, and the kids are kind of standing there kicking their shoe. It looked like five kids at the playground. there talking about, well, how many marbles you got? You know, <laughs> I got nine marbles. How many marbles you got? I got 14 marbles. Oh, you want to set up a gallery and you know, we'll shoot marbles? And uh, he was so comfortable with these four kids that he went, no wonder his movies are, are so great. You know, he's got that childlike thing in him that, that makes uh, it makes his movies just so watchable. Yeah, he's just like playing. I, he's like you. Like, he's playing. I like to play. Yeah, that's that's what I like to do. And 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 it's it's great when you run into other people who like to play. Yeah, exactly. So this has been great. Just one more movie I have to ask you about, and then I just have one question for you. So so Mark for death. That was the second time that you worked with like Keith David. I interviewed one of the writers on that movie. I interviewed uh, Michael Grace. He wrote Mark for Death. But I, I'm a huge Seagal fan. And that movie, I think, is so over the top and crazy. What was it like working with Seagal? And... No? Is that the answer? Yeah. I'll be positive. He had these cronies there that were real CIA guys. I was the, I played the head of the CIA in that or something like that, right? Yeah. His boss, and he had real CIA guys there, three of them, that I got to meet, and uh, that was pretty cool. And uh, and the next time I worked for him was in a movie called uh, Glimmer Man. Oh yeah, that was like a few years after that. Yeah, I remember I went in for that audition, and it was a room room full of people, just a room full of people, and I was like number. 10 or 11 on the, on the, to go into the meeting. And we're all sitting there waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. Finally, he comes walking in through the door and he walks in, he looks at the room and goes, he points at me, he goes, you come on. And okay. I got up and I walked into the room. He says, hi, how are you doing? And I said, great. He said, so uh, you're here for what part now? I said, for the bladder. He said, oh, great. You got it. Go ahead. You can leave. And <laughs> I said, okay, I felt terrible. Yeah. But you know, Sorry, guys, uh, <laughs> go in front of you, you know. But he did say, come on in. <laughs> but, you know, it's... Oh, man. That's great. <laughs> I always like to ask people, so throughout your career, did you ever keep any mementos from set, like scripts or a jacket you wore or a prop or anything? Well, in the old days, when they had money... You know, they would give you something that all everybody would get a jacket or those satin jackets. I, I had a bunch of satin jackets. I always gave them away to family members. Uh, Village of the Damned was a cool one. Uh, 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 Prince of Darkness was a, was a great one. It was black and purple. And uh, I was wearing it at a tennis match over here. And, and Chip Hooper, who was an uh, African-American tennis player, great tennis player, big, huge Serbian, like the number one serve in America for a while. I'm over watching that and, and uh, in Players Lounge uh, having a bite. And, and he, he comes up and he goes, Prince of Darkness? He said, did, uh, uh, gosh, I forget his name now. Who, who's the famous jazz uh, trumpet player? Uh, uh, oh, gosh. Oh, I wish I could remember his name now. I, can't. I can play it. <laughs> 
anyway, he, he and I oh, said, Miles no. Davis. I said, this is Prince was of Darkness, it, the movie. He said, oh, Miles Davis. Thank it, you very much. No said, is, that, is that Miles Davis? And I said, I wish. No, it's a, it's a Prince of Darkness. It's a movie. He did his, he said, oh, I'm Miles Davis, huge Miles Davis. I said, really? And I took it off and I gave him the jacket. You know? <laughs> obviously, obviously, he was more, except it said Pete on it, though. <laughs> I didn't mind. He didn't mind that at all. He went and put it on. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, was there anything else you ever kept? Like your first script? Like, did you have the wherewithal? Like then I, I, I to keep any of that stuff? Enough. I was never smart enough to keep that stuff. I bet stuff appears. You know, like I got a poster over there from a David Carradine play that I did on off Broadway, and then this one here from New York uh, uh, that we did with the Keach brothers. I just people happen to give me stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, uh, but yeah, people give me stuff that I that were that were mementos for different things. I got one for, sent from me from a from a play I did in in college. Uh, yeah, uh, and it was a play that I did in, in in in. They sent me the program, and I thought that was pretty cool. That's awesome. But also, there's stuff on eBay that that people tell me about. Hey. <laughs> I saw your uh, hat from uh, the Warriors. <laughs> Not in the Warriors. Oh well, it's got your name on it. You know, <laughs> we had. I got a hat that, from uh, Streets of Fire. It was really cool. It was leather. That's awesome. Everybody got those hats, and uh, we we're my wife and I and my brother and his wife were going down the river, Selway River, up in up in Idaho, uh, river rafting, and we hit this. Uh, current you know these rapids and 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 i went in the drink and i lost the hat i saw it floating <laughs> down i never saw that hat again ever again it was a pretty cool hat somebody in idaho has probably got it now somebody's got it it's on ebay already probably it's on ebay it's a little wet it's a little wet <laughs> it'll dry out it'll shrink up on you eleven dollars you can buy it now buy it now yeah peter this has been awesome man I love talking and I love finding out how people start it. And it's so cool that you were sort of like coerced by a girl to do something and it turned into your forever, you know? Jeannie Brubaker, thank you very much. Give her a call. Shout out there to Jeannie. Yeah. That was at Newport Harbor High School in 1961. Now you know how old I am. <laughs> Peter, thanks, man. I appreciate it. I hope everything goes well. Deep in the forest. It looks Go pretty see good, man. Forest. It comes out the 31st, I understand. Yep. And I hope I'm still in it. You are. Did you see it? No, I watched the trailer. I hope you're still in it. Oh, me too. <laughs> I don't get scared. See you <laughs> in the movies. Man, wasn't Peter awesome? His career. Just think about everything he worked on and just his stories like the whole fishing using the clams and the mussels that he climbed out to grab. And Spielberg was like, Hey, I'm going to get my guys to go get <laughs> these fishing rods. And they weren't catching anything. And just that moment that he had. And the fact that he's in Raiders, of the lost Ark, and who knows, nobody knows because it's not in his credits. Cause they, he was just like the shot of the back of him. So I don't think they can have somebody as their like a stand in. I don't know, but it wasn't as IMDb because I would have noticed that. And, uh, you know, working with Carpenter, the John Wayne story. Oh, my God. The fact that John Wayne, like, ad-libbed and created, you know, a whole scene on the spot 
Yeah, you go over there, he's going to trip, and then you're going to say, oh, that's gold. You don't want to break gold. And man, and he has uh, him and Pankin, their bond that they had since uh, arachnophobia. Great. So again, don't forget Deep in the Forest, video on demand, May 31st. Check it out. Put it out by Sabin Films. I'll put the link again, the trailer in the episode notes. So next week, Mannequin 2, free on Tubi. And then the following week, you got Peter's movie. Escape from LA, the fourth time he's working with Carpenter. Snake Plissken is back once again. So uh, don't forget to review, rate, share our podcast. Follow us on all social media at Sequels Only. And don't forget to check out our website, SequelsOnly.com. Good night.